Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and as always, I'm joined by my man, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm sitting here with a Diet Dr. Pepper, and I'm trying to wake myself up because I got up way too early today. But in general, it's good because it's fantasy football season. Got up too early or haven't been to bed because you've been drafting all weekend? A little bit of that, too. I mean, I had visions of sugar plums of uh, drafting Deshaun Watson in the fourth or fifth round or getting... Le'Veon Bell to fall to me at pick six in the first round. So you, you got all these like constant like dreams and passions. Then you wake up screaming a nightmare because you drafted uh, someone like uh, Marquise Lee in the fifth round. Yeah, I know that we both have drafted Marquise Lee, but nowhere near the fifth round, thankfully. <laughs> um, I myself, believe it or not, I know we're at the height of draft season right now. I'm done drafting, barring being suckered in. I mean, asked to you know take part in another expert league or something like that. What about you? You got any more coming up? I've got a couple more still to come this week, but uh, I am in the same boat. Most of my drafts happened uh, in the last week or so, so uh, it's kind of nice to have all the drafts kind of segueing together, except for the fun part if you're a commissioner of a league trying to actually schedule a draft, finding a day or night that everyone is available to happen to get together to uh, to have the draft. Now, for our listeners out there, uh, a lot of people play online leagues and whatnot where you don't actually know the people you're competing against. But there's really something to be said for having a live draft with people you know in your area. and Because I, I, one of my leagues that just drafted on Friday has been in existence for 30 years now. This is my 23rd year in the league. And uh, it's a bunch of old codgers that refuse to change any rules. But it's one of those leagues that I would never leave because it's just so darn fun. Because you get to see all these guys that you used to know that you might not hang out with outside of the football season. That's pretty cool. Um, I have one live draft. That's the Flex League, which, of course, next year will be very um, good to go to, bringing my belt. Hopefully I'll be a repeat, but that's beside the point. So anyway, I know that there still are people that have lots of drafts coming up, even though I'm done. And you know we're less than two weeks from the start of the season from our first Thursday night game, and some big money leagues draft after that Thursday night game, I believe, still, too. So tonight what we're going to do is, of course, we're going to throw it over to Harley in a minute, but... Just to set the stage, what we're going to do is we're going to go over some high-risk players. We're calling it too risk or not – no, I'm sorry, too risk or too risky is what we're calling it. And then we're going to talk about some suspended players and if and when you jump into that pool. But before that, I'm going to throw it over to my man Harley Schultz for this week's BPN News. Thank you, Steve. Odell Beckham Jr. signed a huge five-year, $95 million contract extension today 
with $65 million in guaranteed money. With his new deal in place, Beckham now is making enough money to afford the monthly payment on his 650-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> BPN's sleeper favorite Marquise Lee was placed on IR today following an ugly hit to his knee this past weekend. Jaguar teammate Jalen Ramsey blamed the injury not on the Atlanta Falcons player who crashed into Lee's leg, but rather on the NFL's new tackling rules. By suggesting that defenders didn't know what body pots they were allowed to tackle anymore. In response to Ramsey's claim, the NFL has now passed an additional rule requiring that all defensive players have doctorate degrees in human anatomy. <laughs> Another popular wide receiver sleeper, Robbie Anderson, is still under investigation by the NFL following two off-season arrests, one of which involved a vulgar threat directed at an officer of the law. We all saw how this played out last season with Ezekiel Elliott, and he was the face of an NFL franchise. Perhaps Anderson should remind the NFL brass that they just allowed Randy Moss into their Hall of Fame, despite threatening to run over a meter maid several years ago. <laughs> New York Giants second-year tight end Evan Engram sustained a concussion last week. Reports suggest that Engram is progressing well and that he hopes to be ready for week one. BPN News talked to the Giants trainer about Engram's treatment plan, and we were told that he would not be cleared medically until he could remember the names of all of the stiffs that New York started at wide receiver last season. <laughs> and finally, Hugh Jackson has informed Josh Gordon that he will play week one, but that he will not start the game. Only in Cleveland does a coach make news one week by punishing a player and making him play every down of a game, only to step up the following week and punish a player by not letting him play every down of a game. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, that's, man, uh, never, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Hey, listen, I got two things. One, I can attest to the fact of the Odell Beckham part about the 600-square-foot apartment because I once had to apartment shop in New York City for a job that almost took me there. Um, I wound up getting a promotion and then not having to do it. But honestly, my rent would have been a small salary for some, some people that they make on an annual basis. So, yeah, it's scary what they, they get in Manhattan for rent. Well, and so I lived in Los Angeles for several years, and I, I can attest to the price to purchase a home in L.A. or in, even in the surrounding areas. But it, it's, it's blown away by the cost to live in downtown New York. Uh, it's, it's absolutely absurd how high the price is to live there. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, in the case of Beckham, now he can actually afford that rent. So that's good for him. Yeah, I mean, just to put it in context for you, one bedroom place that you, if like you were an NBA player that was 6'10 or taller, you probably could spread your you know, wingspan out and touch both walls in all directions. Um, it was really small. I mean, even like 1950s type refrigerators that, you know, like four and a half foot tall. And they were thirty to $40,000 a year in rent for something that tiny. So, yeah. And then next, I got to say, are you ever, ever going to be over Randy Moss? 
Well, or is it a love hate relationship? He's retired now, but he's, he's still get the opportunity to make fun of him every once in a while. So you're going to take that shot. It's a love hate relationship. <laughs> you love to hate on him when you can. Well, if you're Robbie Anderson, this is the perfect opportunity to take advantage of this. I mean, he's in the news. He's in the press right now. Just got in. He's obviously got goodwill with the NFL uh, owners oh. committee. Okay. So you use that as a thing that's like a, an olive branch, if you will, to Roger Goodell. Like, don't research me. Don't don't chase after my suspend. Don't suspend me. You let this other guy go for doing a threatening thing against the pop. What? Why make me? But that was that wasn't under Goodell's watch, though, was it? That's probably what. No, it wasn't. Said. That wasn't. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, okay, so let's get right into it. So we we initially said, let's. What are we going to call this segment? We're going to call it "Too Risk or Not Too Risk." Was my first, and then Harley said, "No, let's go Too Risk or Too Risky." So that's pretty good. Um, we've talked about all these guys, I believe, in the past, but we want to give them a little extra chat tonight, so that if you are you know, trying to contemplate whether or not you should or shouldn't draft them. Maybe we add some clarity or maybe we completely just confuse all the hell out of you. I don't know. But we'll start with quarterback, a position I love to talk about. And, <laughs> and I don't think that you could talk about anybody being injured without mentioning both Carson Wentz and Andrew Luck. I will let you start with whichever player you'd like to talk about first. Well, let's start with Carson Wentz, a guy who is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I, I own Carson Wentz in several uh, dynasty format leagues and – I actually, as of last Friday, also own him in one redraft league. And I have to admit, all signs are pointing to Carson Wentz being able to play and being able to play week one. But um, we're getting a lot of lot of hearsay and whatnot coming out, a, a lot of yep. shaded comments from the coaching staff about whether or not he's going to actually be there and be active come week one. And now, if... If it was the Eagles and they didn't have a legitimate backup like Nick Foles to possibly put in there, I would be more I'd be more concerned that the Eagles would rush Wentz back before he was fully healthy. But when you've got a legitimate possible fill in for one week, it's certainly possible we don't see Wentz until week two. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm actually hearing that it's possible you won't see him until week three. So with that said, and where his ADP is, is it worth the risk to go after Nick Foles? I'm sorry, after Nick Foles. After <laughs> Carson Wentz with a top pick that it's going to require you to get at the quarterback position if you're going to miss out on two weeks to start the season? I'll answer first because mine's short. The answer is no because it's not even worth it to get him if he was fully healthy. So now I'll let you tell our people what, what you think should be happening. Well, just to give the point of reference in the uh, league that I was in that I picked once up, I drafted him in the fifth round uh, of that particular league. And that league tends to favor quarterbacks a little bit earlier than most, despite not having any point advantage for the quarterback. That's just the way the league is set up. They do tend the uh, people that are in the league tend to pick quarterbacks earlier than they probably should. So to see Wentz still sitting there for me around the middle of the fifth round, uh, Whatever his ADP is, it's obviously gone down in the last couple of weeks. So I don't have a problem with taking him at that point, obviously, because I did. For me, what it came down to is I looked at the other players at the positions that I would potentially draft at that point, and I wasn't enthralled enough by any of them sure. to take them at that point. And that's why I decided to finally pull the trigger on Wentz. Now, knowing that I'm going to get Wentz, and I think we talked about this a little bit during the preseason shows, it definitely gives you the opportunity to use your final, your 17th or your 18th round pick on 
Nick Foles as a handcuff. And again, you don't usually see us talking about handcuffing your quarterback, but this is the one possible exception where you might be able to do that. Or uh, as most teams are akin to do, a lot of teams will draft a second quarterback anyways, even though they really don't have to. Uh, If you look at the matchups for the first couple weeks, you can find a couple of quarterbacks going really, really late in your drafts. (coughs) Blake Bortles that will be able to make good matchups in those first couple weeks that you can start potentially if indeed Carson Wentz doesn't start week one. And you know what? If if you do get a guy like Bortles and Wentz does start week one, you can always just kick him to the curb and pick up whoever the hot prospect is week one. Okay. So here I'll actually give an answer, um, both pro and con. How's that? Sounds First, good. let me point this out. Two out of most leagues play 13-week schedule with playoffs being 14, 15, 16, right? That mm-hmm. means if you select Carson Wentz, you are giving up 15% of your regular season. That's what two of 13 is, 15%. It's 15 and change, actually, okay? Now, if you, can, if you feel like, well, because quarterback is an easily replaceable position, which is why you shouldn't be drafting early, then that means you can find somebody to fill in for two weeks. That's not a problem. If you really want to draft Carson Wentz, then that's the rationale you need to use. But just understand what you're doing to yourself. Now, the converse of that is a lot of these leagues, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And you will have a Carson Wentz that should be all go by you know the time your playoffs are ramping up and you're getting ready to make that run. So if you feel because it's something that's, you know, where you can make, you know, make hay while he's out or not playing, even if it goes into week three or four, possibly. Again, if you're looking forward to the end of the year. Philly should be in a playoff run. He's not going to be sitting. It's not like you have to worry that they're going to say, oh, we better not play him anymore because we're out of the running. That's your argument for Carson Wentz if you want to take on that risk. Me, I don't take the risk if he's healthy, but you know I don't take that risk with any of the top 9, 10, 11, 15 quarterbacks usually. Well, it's interesting you mentioned top 10, 11, 12, 15 quarterbacks or so because our next quarterback falls in that range, and that is Andrew Luck. Yes, So I actually liked Luck earlier this year when his ADP was severely depressed because, and let's straighten this out, it was in a two-quarterback league when I said that. I think that his upside is tremendous. I think he has top three to top five upside. But there's some injury concerns now. In addition to the upper body throwing parts, he's got some lower lower leg foot issues, I believe it is, correct? Yeah, something new just came up apparently this last week with his foot. uh, But... I've actually, someone made a comment last week on Twitter that I just kind of glancingly passed over and actually made me think, and I stopped, I went back and listened to some of the audio of Luck responding to questions and whatnot over the last year and a half while he was rehabbing his shoulder. And the comment was, and I'm sorry I can't uh, mention the person's name because I don't remember the person's name, I literally just passed over it, was, does it sound like Andrew Luck doesn't seem to have the heart to play football. And when I listened to some of his talks on, on online, it's like I really started getting that same impression. It's like, does he really have the love of the game to be the type of guy who's going to succeed going forward? Now, maybe he does, and maybe he's just so soft-demeanored that he comes across as being okay. almost a nihilist on the subject. But it actually did – it. it triggered a little something in my mind like maybe there's something to this so here's what i'll tell you as somebody that's actually met andrew luck and spoken to him truly a very humble person very soft-spoken in a sense um 
I think if I were to read anything into it, it wouldn't be if he has the heart for it, because I believe he does. Absolutely. I have no question in my mind that he does. I think that maybe what people are hearing is a frustration level because of what he's had to deal with, and he just wants to get going. So, no, I would not doubt his heart in football whatsoever. Absolutely not. So we don't have to worry about him pulling a Vince Young. No, not not in the least. Seriously, one of the most <clears throat> humble and caring and, I think, passionate guys about the game as I've ever met. I think we can put that one to rest then. Yep. Uh, what do you think about running backs this year? So I think that there's three running backs that we, we can talk about with regards to this too risk or too risky. Um, there's LaShawn McCoy, which we've talked about a little bit why, but we'll get into that a little more. Jay Ajahi, who we've talked about why you would want to handcuff him with Corey Clement, who now that possibly is rearing its head why. And then I think Derrick Henry, because he's kind of got some timeshare concerns, and is he worth the pick? So which one do you want to talk about first? Well, let's start off with Derrick Henry, because I think this is probably going to be the shortest conversation, and that's uh, okay. he truly is in a timeshare. I mean, yep. the only other backfield that is this big of a potential, I mean, two guys who will be drafted and played every single week, is Atlanta with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Both of those guys are going to be played most weeks by one owner or another. Uh, and both of those guys will produce reasonable starters numbers from those positions. I think it's safe to say that Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis will both produce starters numbers. But Derrick Henry is getting drafted way, way too high for a guy who is truly going to be splitting his touches. Yeah, what I think you need to have happen, and this is all baked in, I think, to his value already, is he has to hit high touchdowns, if not double-digit touchdowns, which, of course, he could. But that offense could make him up. He could wind up being a top-10 back, and there's no doubt about it if he winds up with 15, 16 touchdowns. But do you have the belief that that offense is going to pound the ball and get that close, and he's not going to have touchdowns siphoned by Mariota or – you know, the wide receivers, et cetera. So I do like Henry. I think he's a relatively safe pick, but I, I don't like his value return. So from a value standpoint, that's why I wouldn't draft him. But I don't think he's risky because I think he's minimally going to return running back to value no matter what. Okay. Uh, the next person you mentioned was? McCoy or Ajayi? Oh, Ajayi, yes. Uh, now, his injury concerns have been with him his entire career. Yep. And now we've got something new cropping itself up here this past week. And uh, there's there's also the issues of whether or not Philadelphia is willing to commit to him as an every down back. Now, they kind of hinted at it late in the season and into the playoffs last year that they were going to, and they did to some degree. But could we possibly be seeing a timeshare brewing again? So here's how I look at it. One, I thought his ADP was too high as it was um, based on the fact that I think that there's split carries there. I think there's a risk for injury there. Um, so just by ADP, I didn't like him. I didn't like the situation. Now you build in that he's got that lower leg injury. I think it's too risky. So I think that makes Clement that much more of an attractive late round option. So that's how I'm attacking it. I, would, I was going to bypass Ajayi anyway. I'm probably now going after Clement a round or two earlier if I'm in a draft now. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I wasn't taking Ajayi to begin with, but 
this further news of the injury plus uh, the possibility that Clement's going to cut more into his touches, no. it just makes it so much more easy for me to say no thank you to Mr. Ajayi. And I will say this. If you're trying to find a reason why you like Ajayi, it's because he does not have a contract for next year, and the Eagles absolutely could ride him into the ground this year. I just don't see his body hang, holding up for something like that. I seem to remember them doing that a couple of years ago with LaShawn McCoy before his contract was up too, right? Yeah, and I've always surmised that he had a um, turf toe injury that was never reported, honestly, with how he was running specifically to one side. Um, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I just I think the move is Clement later and move him up into your ranks a little bit and take a pass on Mr. Too Risky. Oh, come on. You, you jumped on my segue there into LaShawn McCoy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So Same I think way away. Is, exactly. I think that LaShawn McCoy is the obvious uh, biggest question mark in the room is, will he be suspended for his alleged activities this offseason orchestrating a assault with a weapon on his ex who was living in their joined home? And I think it's too early to tell what's going to happen there. I mean, no announcement has been made yet by the league that they intend to put him on the restricted list or the exempt list. And certainly Goodell could do that on a whim and a moment's notice. But I think getting this close to the season, if it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen, at least not the first couple of weeks. So you're probably looking at a situation like the Ezekiel Elliott situation last year, where you're just hoping and praying that gets put off for an entire season. And you get McCoy a lot later. You, you, you can compound that, though, with the fact that the Buffalo Bills are not a good team. Oh, they're, yes. <laughs> they're, they're not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a very good chance that they won't be in situations where game script commands handing the ball off 25 times to LaShawn McCoy anyways. So what little you're hoping for from that offense is that McCoy will be used as he has in the past as a pass catching back out of the backfield. But uh, his draft stock has taken a tumble, obviously, since the news broke uh, in mid-August about uh, the potential that he could be thrown out because of that. But at the same time, I I just don't want the headache. I'd, I'd rather take a later wrist shot on a guy like Chris Ivory taking over for him, but He's a a starter. He's a solid running back one in in formats previous years. Here's what I'll say. I think that this is one of those situations where everything is not what it seems to be. So when we say McCoy and risk, everybody thinks it's because of the incident. That's not where the risk is in my eyes. It's that offense, just like you said. So, no, I don't think he's getting suspended this year. Could it happen? Sure. You never know with Goodell. The allegations, honestly, were the best thing that happened to the fantasy community because that depressed his value and that saved some people from drafting him too early based on the risk associated with the offense that he's going to be in this year. So I think he's too risky based on the offense, not the allegations. Let's move to wide receiver. I should say let's throw it over to wide receiver. Well, hopefully the wide receivers can go deep. (laughs) Well, let's see how deep we go. Let's go to your boy that you like to pick on, Josh Gordon. <clears throat> oh, I like to pick on Josh Gordon. I think so. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, Josh Gordon has all of the talent in the world. Such a, a freak of nature athletically. Unfortunately, his career has been sidelined by 
a myriad of off-field incidents and just interactions and people he's known. He he didn't bother to follow Chris Carter's advice and get a fall guy. Um, (laughs) I look at him and I'm like, what could have been? What could have been for Josh Gordon? He had that great, great start, it seems like, an an eon ago. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. When he last got suspended. Which time? Last. Not, okay. Not which one. The last <laughs> time he got suspended, I'll give you revisionist history. What did you really truly think the percentage chance was of him returning to the NFL? None. Okay. Did he not return to the NFL? He did. Okay. So that says we're talking about a special cat here. I can tell you think he's too risky. I think all that talent you're talking about with the fact that he's going to probably have the best quarterback that he's ever had throw to him in the NFL, adds up that it's, I'm too risk. I'm taking that risk. It's just the upside is too <coughs> too seductive to me. You'd be surprised. I'm actually going to agree with you on being too risk on him. I, I, I like the okay. upside he has. And I think he's actually slid enough that I'm willing to swallow him despite being burned previously by him. I don't know how far he slides because any draft I'm in, I'm always taking him probably around the two rounds earlier than most people would. And from my own personal experience, I mean, I'm seeing him there saying, saying there still with guys like Robert Woods and Marquise Lee and Ellen Hearns and some of the rookie receivers. And I mean, we're talking round seven, round eight, even I've seen him last till. And that's because, well, again, he literally just got reinstated to the team two days ago. Yeah, and but the so, thing is, I look at it this way. I'm always going to look at the upside downside. They all have down. Look at Mark. Look at Marquise Lee. What unfortunately happened to him? No matter how much upside he had, that's the downside for a player. You never know one play to the next. And here is why, though, I'm definitely calling him too risk instead of too risky, because at the point you're drafting him, yep, he is your wide receiver three. Yes, with wide receiver he, one upside. Exactly. He's not, I mean, he's not going to be skillfully on par with the other wide receiver threes. Skillfully, he is a wide receiver one. Yep. And you're getting him as your wide receiver three. So that offsets the it, risk. It totally offsets the risk. That's why you go too risk on him and not too risky. Okay. So another guy that isn't as talented has definitely played a lot more, but an injury has pushed him down the boards and makes him risk <coughs> too risk or, or too risky. Doug Baldwin. Well, you've got the uh, injury. You've got the offense in general being question marks across the board. Obviously, Russell Wilson found Doug Baldwin early and often last season and turned him in from a career PPR solid guy. I mean, he, he was kind of in that uh, Julian Edelman, uh, Jamison Crowder type guy who would catch a lot of passes and maybe catch a few touchdowns here and there. But all of a sudden, he became a true wide receiver one with Russell Wilson throwing him the ball the last couple of years. Now, again, that whole offense has question marks surrounding it this year, I think. And uh, there's a lot of risk to be had on Doug Baldwin. Topped it off with the uh, with the lower body injury. And you just kind of wonder, is he being drafted too high for what he could possibly do there? No, I think he. I don't think so because again, he's somebody you're getting as a wide receiver three, maybe even four in some instances, and he does have that wide receiver one upside. And as bad as that offense is, they still have to find somebody to throw the ball to. And I like Tyler Lockett. I've liked Tyler Lockett. Each of God knows how many years he's been in the league, <coughs> and maybe this is the year. But 
I still think that the return is worth that risk. So I'm too risk on Baldwin. I'm not too risky on him. Now, I will say this again from my own personal experiences, at least again, not having the ADP in front of me. I, I've actually seen Baldwin going, people drafting him still as a late wide receiver one, like like right around wide receiver 12, 13, 14 overall. No, that's... That, that scares me. That really does scare me. I, I mean, obviously he could perform up to that level, but if he's going that high in your league, it, it's too big of a risk, I feel. So I'll check real quick. I'll see what his ADP is, if it's changed much lately. Um, I can tell you that it's not in the top 32 because I didn't reset it to a larger number. Oh, uh, Let's see. Baldwin's going at 38 overall. So you're talking he's in that third round, um, third to fourth round range, right? Yep. Um, and then at the wide receiver position, that makes him wide receiver what? Let's see. Wide receiver 17. So you're getting yep. him – most people now, based on average, he's a mid-wide receiver two. I've gotten him as a wide receiver three. I know other people probably have that chance. Um, news, I think, was a little bit better coming into today, so he could push up some. He's somebody I'm still willing to say I'll, I'll take the risk on him. Okay. And you have one more wide receiver for us, right? I do, and this guy is completely hard to understand what's going on with him, but Alshon Jeffrey due to the shoulder surgery that he's dealing with. Well, I thought at first you were going to surprise me and say Richard Matthews, who up until this past week, we had no clue what was going on with him. And we still don't. But uh, we, we, it sounds like we've got a knee surgery as the, uh, as the issue with him now. But again, as for Elshon Jeffrey, uh, there's been positive reports again this last week, but much like the news on his quarterback, Carson Wentz, those positive reports are also being shaded by the coaching staff. It's like you're, you're hearing one side of the mouth saying that he might be ready for week one, and then you're hearing the other side of the mouth saying, oh, there's still a chance he might end up on pup list. So it's just it's so hard to think that people are drafting him still as a, as a mid-wide receiver too. Yeah. As you mentioned, you talked about 13-week seasons. If he goes on pup, that's six of those weeks. Yep. That is – Nearly 50% of your season missed for Elshon. If, if you get him at the bottom of your wide receiver three list, I don't mind that. Around wide receiver 33 through 36. But yeah. and you, I'd feel can't better put, in, you can't put more than that in him. No, and I'd feel better at wide receiver four. I'll be honest. I thought that he would come back and he was doing okay. Early draft, I drafted him. Thought he was good value. And now I'm kind of regretting that pick. Um Here's the thing. Last year, his production, he played all year injured. So I was like, okay, people aren't realizing the amount of upside he has. That's getting weighed down a little bit now. So now I think that Alshon, to the point, is just too risky at that price. Well, I think we agree on that one too then. Awesome. So they're really we'd, we talked about this before. We, didn't talk, we talked about the players. We didn't talk about how we felt about them. But we didn't really see any tight ends worth talking about that are too risky or, or that are worth taking the risk on. So you're on your own when it comes to tight end. But – something that you just talked about six weeks and what that would do to Jeffrey. We're going to talk about some guys that are going to miss two to four weeks due to suspension. So when do you dip your toe into the suspension pool? Um, the guys that we, we couldn't leave quarterback out, we probably should have, but we didn't. You had Jameis with two weeks. Then you've got Aaron Jones with two weeks. And then you look at Mark Ingram with four weeks, Robert Turbin with four weeks, and Julian Edelman with four weeks. So let's start with quarterbacks when we get it out of the way. Is Jameis – 
worth too risk or too risky? He's too risky. There, there's already talk in Tampa Bay that they're ready to punt on Jameis Winston as their quarterback of the future. Uh, That I think that's media driven. I don't buy that 100%. But it's too risky because it's just not worth it with how deep the position is. So there you go. That's we talked about quarterback. How's that? Sounds good to me. So what running back do you want to move into first? Let's talk about one of the guys I own. Actually, I own both of these guys, so I guess we can talk about them both. But let's start with Aaron Jones. Okay. Now, all offseason, I have really been pushing uh, that Aaron Jones is the best running back in Green Bay. And I do mean that sincerely. Uh, Last season, he looked solid when he got the chance to start there. Now, you could also say that, well, Ty Montgomery looked solid when he got the chance to start there. And you could say that Jamal Williams looked solid when he got the chance to start there. But over this offseason, one person came out and said something that made me really trust that Aaron Jones is the best back there. And that's when Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I feel most comfortable throwing the ball to Aaron Jones of the guys in the backfield. That is important because if Aaron Rodgers feels comfortable with Jones back there being his safety belt out of the backfield, that means sooner or later, he's the guy that's going to be on the field in that role. Okay. So now let me, let's pose a hypothetical to you. Williams is the starting running back. Everybody decides that Aaron Jones is not worth rostering. He's not suspended, right? He's not worth rostering. Week two, Williams goes down with an injury in the second half of a game. How much of a of a percentage of a hundred dollar blind bid budget does Jones go for in all leagues? At least one person will go the full one hundred odd. Right. And you'll have consistently guys in the seventy five to eighty percent range or better probably. So I'm going to look at his two weeks as one of those just lottery tickets. I don't think he's too risky because of that, because you're going to draft him as a, as a running back four, most likely. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you should be able to hopefully get through two weeks because your backs hopefully won't get injured. There's more of an opportunity of them getting injured the more they play. So if you can get through to two weeks, then you're golden. Um, if something happens and your backs get ravaged in the first two weeks, then you might have to drop him and then – that that's going to you know limit your options because of that. But I think, all told, he is too risk, not too risky. Then we're going to talk about the second running back that I own that's suspended, and that is Mark Ingram. Okay. He is suspended for four games. Now, one thing that I really have concern with with Mark Ingram, uh, and certainly if you look at his stats from last season, you would think. Well, there's no reason to be concerned. He's still going to produce wide receiver, uh, wide receiver, running back two numbers when he comes back. But you have to think about the man in charge there, Sean Payton. That I think is the the really the divining factor in whether or not I think he is too risky or too risk. And that is that with the penchants for dramatic decisions that Peyton has been known to make as well as his love to put people into the doghouse and deride them all season long, as we've seen with Mark Ingram in the past, there's really nothing stopping Peyton from deciding over those first four weeks that Jonathan Williams is going to be the back to split carries with Kamara the rest of the season. Plus Mark Ingram's contract is slated to end now, is there any reason that Peyton may want to try to deflate the value of him going into free agency? 
who knows? So here's the thing. I don't see any – I see all risk, no reward with Ingram. And I say that because he is a very he's, – he's going as running back 27. So you're not getting him as a running back two. He's barely a running back three. I want my running back three to be able to play in more than – oh, what is it? Four divides in. But more than 75% of the games this year, hopefully. Um, also, with that said, because I think his value, his upside's baked into that number – based on it there's just i look i'll look at the at the um adp right now and i'll tell you i'd rather have rex burkhead who's going after him i'd rather have um Deion lewis who's going after him because they, these guys have tevin coleman they have roles that you know what they're going to be you're right you don't know what's going to happen because guys can wally pip somebody in four weeks or i mean wally pip was a situation where a player was injured and lost his job. Yeah, but lost his job. Same. You, you you bring in Sean Payton into that factor. You, you get the Belichick factor in there as well. It's like it doesn't always have to be an injury. It can just be coach's whim. Yep. Okay, so let's run over to our last running back, Mr. Turbin. And people are probably going, what? What? Why? <laughs> Why is he? What's What? Go ahead. You well, want it, you at want, the you end want of last be. season, last, last year, he was splitting carries with Marlon Mack as the – running backs 1A and 1B in Indianapolis. And now certainly coming into this season, everyone assumes that Marlon Mack is going to be the starter. He showed enough last year as a rookie to say he's going to take the ball and run with it. Well, Marlon Mack is injured again. And when you look at the rest of the running backs, they actually went out and drafted a couple more running backs this year. Naheem Hines, who was a darling around uh, draft day this year. People were like, praising him for how good he was going to be. And people were grabbing him in really, really early best ball formats and MFL 10s. And, of course, since then we've found out that he can't hold on to anything. Uh, you, you could throw a ball covered in glue to him, he'd still drop the ball. Uh, they also drafted Jordan Wilkins later in the league. And it sounds like right now, come week one, Jordan Wilkins is going to be a running back one for Indianapolis if Marlon Mack can't make it back in time. So that kind of opens the door that uh, – Four weeks from now, when Marlon Mack may or may not be healthy, and Jordan Wilkins may or may not prove to be a late-round running back, not worthy of being a full-time running back, and Naheem Hines still can't catch anything, that maybe Robert Turbin becomes the goal line back again. So here's how I look at this. So you're saying that he's worth to risk, not too risky. Uh, considering where you're getting him, which yes, is exactly. around 18, possibly even as a free agent, yes, yes, he's worth the risk. So here's how I look at it. it because you can get him as a running back 5, 6, 10, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't have to rely on him. You can't ask for a better spot for that guy that you're taking a shot on because here's what's going to happen. In the four weeks he's suspended, somebody's either going to take that job and run with it, literally, and you'll know that you can cut him loose without waiting, or you might see that Indy is just not going to be a team that can run the ball effectively based on offensive line play. But you'll have that answer come four, week four. You'll know if you need to keep him or cut him loose. So because of that, I definitely think it's worth taking to risk instead of saying he's too risky. And I'm going to jump on the soapbox really quickly and uh, make, make a request of all the leagues that are listening out there. Please, 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 if you're in a league – and you don't have an option for uh, like a, an IR or a suspended player slot that you can put a player on, consider doing that because 
it really, really sucks if you're in a league and someone gets put on the pup list or someone's suspended and you want to be able to keep them. Or if you're in a dynasty format and, and all of a sudden you have to eat up a roster spot all season because someone gets put on IR, put in those suspended slots, put in those IR and pup slots that someone can slide a player on. That makes those late round suspended player picks even a little bit more valuable because you get to hold on to that player plus you get to audition someone for the first couple weeks too. So there's definitely strategy to that, but I'm going to go, I'm going to agree to disagree with you to an extent. I agree there should be an IR. I'll tell you what I hate is when I hear it's an IR and, and leagues have where you can put a guy on IR if he's listed as questionable or even probable as long as he's on the injury report. No, the only way I think IR should be used is if a guy's truly on injured reserve. He comes back from injured reserve because they have the IR designated in return. So if they wind up injured and out, or on an, at least on an out on a weekly basis, every week he's out, you can put him on IR. Not this probable crap. And I also say if they're suspended, if you want to roster him, that's on you, but you shouldn't have the luxury of putting him on an IR spot while you wait for him to come back from his bad deed. So we kind of agree and, and kind of disagree. So with that said, one last guy. Mr. Edelman, four weeks. I'll, I'll take him. <laughs> I have taken him, and I've missed him a couple times when I've been upset that I missed him. Again, this one's where – so you have to worry a little bit about this. Chris Hogan used the first four weeks to siphon any value that Edelman's going to have when he comes back. No, not going to happen. If anything, it Tom, might be – Tom Brady looks at Chris Edelman like his, like his teddy bear that he can – like go to bed with and cuddle yeah. with when he's not cuddling Giselle. <laughs> yeah, I think where you get Edelman right now, because again, wide receivers deep, you draft more wide receivers normally. So you can still draft him as a wide receiver three or four if you wanted to sit him at the end of your bench while you got other players that you can plug in, right? And get through those first four weeks. A guy like Edelman is the kind of guy that if you know that you're going to draft a strong team is going to help you in that push for the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, his end of season is definitely going to be much better than his start to the season which, of course, has to happen since he's not playing the first part of the season. Exactly. But, but for me, he's too risk. Forget the too risky. Too risk, too risk, too legit to quit. Okay. So let's go back over them all real quick before we wrap up. Carson Wentz, I say too risky. You say? Too risk. Okay. So, and for people that don't know or haven't been paying attention, too risk means it's okay to get him. Andrew Luck? Too risky. I'll agree, too risky at this point. LaShawn McCoy? Too risk. I'm too risky. Ajaye? Too risky. Yeah, we agree, too risky. Derrick Henry? Too risky. I think he's too risk. Um, and then we're going to go to Josh Gordon? Too risk. Too risk, I agree. Doug Baldwin? Too risky. We're opposite. I go too risk on him also. All Sean? Too risky. Yeah, we agreed. Both too risky on, on all, Sean. And then for the suspended players, Jameis, we're saying too risky. Way too risky. Mark Ingram. Too risky. Too risky, agree. Aaron Jones. Too risk. Too risk, we agree on Aaron Jones. Robert Turbin. Too risk. Too risk, we agree there. And then I think Julian Edelman, we both agree, is too risk also. Too legit. Too legit. So there you go, guys. We gave you who we think you should or should not take that risk on. With the rest of your draft season, before your league start in less than two weeks, we wish you the best of luck. 
and to help you get through this time. If there's any issues that you have, feel free to reach out to Harley at Nuclear Harley on Twitter. You can reach out to me at Steve Gallo NFL. And of course, if you aren't already a member, what are you waiting for? Go sign up for thehuddle.com. We've got all kinds of tools there to help you out. But again, as always, get blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>